secrets infesting my half-sleep? Did you enter my wound from another wound, brushing mine in a crowd? Or did I snare you on my sharper edges as a bird flying through cobwebbed trees at sunup carries off spiders on its wings? Secrets running over my soul without sound, only when dawn comes tiptoeing, ushered by a suave wind, and dreams disintegrate like breath shapes in frosty air. I shall overhear you barefoot, skating off into the darkness. I shall know you secrets by the litter you have left behind and by your bloody footprints. Ooh, thank you, Miss Lola Ridge, for that amazing poem, Secrets. Welcome cryptic fans to another episode to dance. It's so good to be back and a big shout out to all the people who were celebrating Easter. I hope you had a fantastic Easter weekend. I know I certainly did. Boom! Let's get into this episode. No time to delay. We've got places to be, people to see. I once went to a rooftop party in the city at my friend's behest. I'd recently broken up with my then love of my life, interestingly enough, and all I really wanted to do was stay at home wearing my fat pants, pigging out and watching my favorite TV shows to escape reality. My friends didn't have it, they dragged me out to this party, and I kept glancing over at the door looking for an opportunity to escape every single time. They went off talking to girls, having drinks, dancing and having a fantastic time, and I was just completely miserable. This very attractive girl, stylishly dressed in a turquoise mini skirt and heels, came and sat next to me, but I was pretty rude to her in the beginning. I just wanted to get out of there, and I was making everyone around me very miserable. So she confronted me about how rude I was being, and I apologized and explained why, because I'm a real big softie and couldn't uh, play the bad boy role to save my damn life. But anyway, all I wanted to do was get out there and be sad. So her answer was that she would rather be um, watching House rather than talking to me as well. And I said, House? What? And um, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm watching right now. And so we started to chat about House a little bit. And a couple of drinks later and good laughs and good times, we really hit it off. And we spent a lot of the, t- the, the evening talking about House and the various episodes we loved and the various House stories. Because if you haven't checked that show out, this is me advertising that show. Go and check it out. It's one of my favorites of all time. In any case, we had a fantastic time and we came across a hidden gem in one of uh, our favorite episodes that we shared. And that was amazing. That thing was just so fantastic. And then recently, literally around six months ago, I re-watched all seven seasons of House And came across that hidden gem that I discussed with this girl so many years ago on that beautiful rooftop. And it made me smile. The gem itself and our mutual discovery thereof was just beautiful. 
Now that hidden gem right there is what we call an Easter egg. And this episode is all about hunting them down in literature and finding ways to incorporate them in your own writing. So a literary egg is a well-hidden secret, an inside joke, an illusion, a puzzle or a reference, both internal and external, contained in a story, in a text, in writing, or something that can be referred to outside from the author's background, etc. Something interesting, some cool reference, some exquisite reference to pop culture, whatever it is. It just has that element in there. So what it does is give a story an additional set of layers. It's usually hidden and must be discovered by the fans. And once discovered, it brings great satisfaction. The harder the Easter egg is to find, the more rewarding it is upon discovery. So you want to definitely make sure that in your own writing, you do lay it out a little bit with some fantastic Easter eggs. It really will benefit you and it will just make your reading very rewarding. Now I've got a little bit later on in this episode, some hidden gems, some Easter eggs from my debut novel, The Coward, which I will share in a moment. But before I get into that, I definitely want to share with you some of my favorite Easter eggs from literature. So let's start off with my boy Stephen King. Uh, and I say my boy Stephen King, holla at me. You still haven't re replied to my text, guy. When are we co-writing that next book? Anyway. Right, Stephen King, all of his books are connected by a single connection of some sort. Some random meaning. Um, and what that shows is that they all relate to the same universe. Now, we've seen this in films often in modern times. So you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, the DC Cinematic Universe, so the DCU, and all those kinds of things from there. You've got Star Wars, where everything in that Star Wars world and universe takes place. You've got the Harry Potter world, and you can have different stories within those worlds. That's pretty, pretty common practice nowadays, but Stephen King was one of the first sort of literary icons of his time that did and included that from the beginning. He had the plan to have each of the stories interconnected in some way. So in the Tommy Knockers, um, there's a mysterious organization called The Shop, and they invade Haven to control the alien presence there. Now that same The Shop organization is responsible for the Lot 6 experiments, which gave Charlie McGee her powers in Firestarter. And The Shop was also involved in the Arrowhead project, which resulted in the crazy supernatural disaster in the mist i could keep going on and there's so much you can go in there but i highly recommend you go and do your own research stephen king is a master of creating that universe sense but you've got fantastic examples in all sorts of mediums all the way from gaming to music to tv series you can see it anywhere there right so pick a place that has your favorite sort of universe and understand the concept of how they've done it but if you want to look for a great example from literature Stephen King will definitely help you with that in F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby the author quotes another author often and that author is called Thomas Park de Invilliers which is actually another character invented by Fitzgerald he's a poet and a friend of Amory Blaine in This Side of Paradise which was published five years before The Great Gatsby. How crazy is that? So there we have a picture of a reference from another character from another story appearing in another book. 
great, you can do it. If people who have read a couple of your books can see the trend there, they'll pick up the other characters that appear in the different books. Highly recommend it. In Alice Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll, there's an acrostic poem. So what is an acrostic poem? An acrostic poem is a poem where each of the first letters of the different lines in that poem spell out something. So the poem at the end of Alice Through the Looking Glass is called A Both Beneath a Sunny Sky, in which the first letter of every line spells out Alice Pleasance Liddell. That proves that Alice was based on Carol's childhood friend Alice Liddell, who was part of uh, the sisters that he used to hang out with. And in fact, this poem about a both beneath the sunny sky, the concept was first discussed around this story that he was coming up with on that boat with the Liddell sisters. So it's just amazing. That's where we see history and external references coming into the story as well. That's just a tribute to him, tributing to the sisters, to that day where he discovered this amazing story. And writers can absolutely do that. I'll share what I've done in my own works in a moment. In Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel, The Handmaid's Tale, the main character, Offred, sees strange graffiti etched into a desk and it stumped readers for a long time. What was the significance of that random graffiti um, that is so important to the character? While those letters read M loves G, 1972, random, right? While some of her fans later on discovered that Atwood, M, had started a lifelong relationship with fellow author Graham Gibson, G, in 1972. So there's an ode to that relationship that the character weaves into the story. Amazing, 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 amazing. Right, our fifth example on the original title page of The Fellowship of the Ring, the first book of The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien inscribes two of his invented writing systems in the borders. So it just looks like it's a pretty design. Except, clever fans have since translated that lettering to reveal his hidden message. And this is what it says. The Lord of the Rings, translated from The Red Book of Westmarch by John Ronald Real Tolkien. Herein set forth the history of the War of the Ring and the Return of the King as seen by the Hobbits. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got goosebumps because it's just such fun finding these little puzzles, these little hidden gems, and then discussing it with your friends. If you say to the guys, have you seen this? Have you discovered this particular thing? You know, it's it, it's just one of the highlights for me. I get so passionate when talking to people around the different different things that they found out because, um, you know, it's so many things out there, so many Easter eggs that it's difficult for you to have found them all unless you're one of those Reddit uh, geniuses um, just having gone through all the background, the, all the hard work to discover it. To you, sirs, I take my hat off. And to you, madams, I take my hat off. Because there's some fantastic uh, madams on uh, on Reddit. Let me not hate or discriminate. Cool. So those are some Easter eggs that I really love from books that I've read and um, stories that I've come across. You can't deny it. It's palpable. It's palpable how fantastic those things are in the literature that I've spoken about. And now so for 
the long-awaited Easter eggs from my own debut novel, The Coward. Two are going to be obvious, and the third probably no one picked up on because I left it intentionally like that. But here we go. The sword on the cover of the novel is an image of Talon's father's sword, which he carries with him for most of the story. And it's the sword that is the picture thereof um, from the final battle scene as it lays in the ground. Um, so take what you will from that. Um, I should probably mention spoiler alert, hey, that, that's probably a thing. Well, I'll try and avoid spoilers as much as possible. That doesn't spoil anything. There's nothing major that I reveal there. Read the book. The Cotton Field. Chapter 1 of the book is titled that. And um, you often see that image reappear throughout the book in uh, Talon's memories. The Cotton Field is derived from a similar field in the park across from my first childhood home in Delmo Park. I used to run through that field which pushed cotton balls into the air. And this was well before I developed my devastating allergies when I could do that kind of thing. Now, interestingly enough, a little side Easter egg. That was the same park with the tree where I used to pretend I was a Power Ranger in my Zord. Now, that's a little Easter egg for my podcast listeners. Shout out to my true fans out there. Thank you very much. You all rock. All right. Now, the super secret, super cool, super tricky Easter egg that no one picked up because I hid it very well. Roan has a secret identity. Dun, dun, dun. Whoa. It's seen in the reaction of someone in the book that reacts once they see who he is and what's happening. So he was not born Roan, nor was he always a sage, hence his weaker abilities at all things sagely. Now, I'm currently writing short stories about that world to add flavor and depth and background and history to support the novel. And that's going to be on my upcoming webpage that I launch in a couple of weeks. So look out for that. Um, and definitely check out the short stories. I will be trying to push out a short story a month, and that will be probably for the rest of this year. So what's that, like six short stories round about there, all lengthy in, in, the, in their own right that will probably could make up another book. But I thought I'd do it that way because I wanted to add and engage with my writers uh, my fellow writers and my readers and my fans and the general community. And just because I wasn't really done telling the story, except I knew that book had to come to its logical conclusion. But there were so many characters that I would love to explore. So I can't wait to do that. And while I'm doing that, I'll probably be writing my next book. And I'll be talking about that on future podcasts as well. But indeed, indeed, we have come to the point where now we must conclude. The big takeaway and is a couple of things for you to remember when it comes to Easter eggs. Now this is very important. Let's take a breath, moment of silence. Mm -mm -mm, silence. Number one, planning is key. You don't just drop an Easter egg in out of nowhere because it will be quite obvious that you are trying to plant an Easter egg in your reader's face. And rather than plant it well, it'll just be egg on your own face. So what you got to do is make sure you have a plan. This is where crafting and plotting and planning really come into play. If you do this well 
and you know where you're going to drop the Easter egg, how you're going to drop it, you will then be able to create the right effect. Now, the better you plan, the more complex the Easter egg you can drop, and that will make it more rewarding for your readers, and especially your super fans. Right? There's always a challenge because you get into the Reddit blogs, and if you have the Reddit geniuses chasing after your super secret Easter eggs, then you know you've made it. And if you get trolls from that, then you know you've even made it bigger because no lame-ass people get trolls, only the greats. So the goal is to get trolls. No, I'm, I'm, I'm playing. Try avoid trolls at all possible costs. Whatever you need to do, sacrifice to the gods. Whatever you need to do, avoid trolls. Anyway, big takeaway point number two, don't overdo it. Less is more. One really good Easter egg is far better than a bunch of rotten eggs sprinkled across your book. Don't test your reader's patience. If your readers are like me, I get bored very quickly. I'm telling you, I'll put your book down at page five, right? So don't try to throw a random Easter egg in there where I can spot it a mile away. Don't sprinkle too many Easter eggs. If I come across the 10th Easter egg and I realize that it's an Easter egg, you're just going to ruin the effect. An Easter egg is something like... Um, Think about it this way. You haven't had chocolate for a year. When I finally offer you your favorite chocolate, you're going to savor that thing. That's exactly how you need to do this. Okay, number three. If you have more than one Easter egg, try changing it up. You're going to want to have a poem to begin with, then maybe a reference to something external, like the cotton field in my example. Um, and don't repeat the same type all the time. So you can't have an external reference, then another external reference, then another external reference. It very, it really just becomes predictable and dull, and ain't nobody got time for that. So you really want to avoid that. You need to focus on the things that will just make your Easter eggs sparkle. Think about kids decorating the Easter eggs in class, whether it be Sunday school or normal school or whichever other school that kids attend these days, right? You're decorating that egg. You want to put some, some effort into it. Make it really pop. And you want to go for the unwritten secret uh, category of awards, which is best Easter egg. There's a thing like that. Check the Reddit forums out. You'll see what I'm talking about. Big ups to the Reddit geniuses. I'm trying to avoid being trolled by the Reddit geniuses, as you can tell. But anyway, that's it for this episode, fans. Um, short and sweet none of this long episodes anymore i've changed the platform and the structure so i hope you appreciate that i'm trying to make these episodes more accessible for you i know how busy we all are in our schedules in any case that's me thank you very much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe like it share it with others um, wherever you can on all social platforms i would be really appreciative also if you can, leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any other platform of your choice. You can connect with me on my socials. It's the real Gary Khan. That's on Instagram, Mundane Entropy. That is on Twitter. And Real Gary Khan, uh, that's on Facebook. That's my page. You can check me out there. I'm sure you can hit me up on any one of the socials. 
And when you do, I want you to share what your favorite Easter egg is. I really want to know because I'm in search of great Easter eggs and tis the season, isn't it? Right? So I wish you a happy Easter period. I hope you have a fantastic week going forward. And I look forward to connecting with you next week for the next episode of The Author's Journey with your boy. That's me. Thank you very much. Donna Dagahovi.